Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 716 of the Juicebox Podcast. On today's episode, we'll be speaking with Kate. She is a type one, and this is an after dark episode. At any point in the next hour or so, you are going to hear Kate and I talk about drugs, sex, alcohol, mental health, self-harm, suicide attempts, diabetes, and much more. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you have type 1 diabetes and are a U.S. resident or are the caregiver of someone who is a U.S. resident, I'd love it if you go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box and fill out the survey. Survey should take you fewer than 10 minutes. It will ask you really simple questions about type 1 diabetes and your answers will benefit people living with type 1. It also benefits the show when you complete the survey. t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Today's podcast is also sponsored by Touched by Type 1. Go to touchedbytype1.org. Go to their programs tab, click on it, and find out about the big event they have coming up in Orlando on August 27th, one that I'll be speaking at, touchedbytype1.org. The podcast today is also sponsored by the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. You'll learn more and be able to get started right now at contournext.com forward slash juice box. How did you want me to, it's not so much like, is it one of those? I, okay. So I've never introduced myself as a diabetic. So it, this is, this is a, to start off, this is a very bizarre experience for me. I'll be honest. Um, and so it, am I just like, hi, I'm, I'm Kate and I've been a type one diabetic for, I don't even know how long I've been a type one diabetic for <laughs> a long time. Kate, I don't I even have... know how long I've been a type one diabetic for yet, Scott. That's well, awful. Well, Kate, I this have an how... idea. <laughs> Why don't we take the last 30 seconds of you rambling and make that your introduction? How's that <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So everybody, this is Kate. <laughs> All right. Well, let's figure it out, Kate. How old are you? It's I'm uh, this is probably the basis of my problems. I'm 36 turning 37 and I was diagnosed either when I was 11 or 12 and my mom can't even confirm either. Let's make a round number because round numbers are easier. So you're not a thousand percent sure how old you are, but now you're you're down to being 36, right? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. You know what year you were born? Uh, 85. So totally. 36. See? Maths. Maths is is very important. That's why they the teach math, it to you in school. The math always holds up. So, okay, yeah, so you're 36. Now, you were diagnosed either when you were 11 or 12. Yeah. And your mom's not sure either. Oh, God, no. No, not at all. This is how, like, like diabetes, it's, it's significant, but it's not significant to me if I'm sure that yeah, if that oh, makes we'll any sense. We'll figure this all out. Don't worry, Kate. By the time yeah. this is over, 
<laughs> we'll all know exactly why everything is what it is and why it's not what it's not. Um, I was I was interviewing somebody the other day, and like forty five minutes into it, she's like, "Oh my god, this is like therapy," and you've just unwoven like everyone knows me now. And I was like, "Yep, yeah." yeah. <laughs> she's like, "I didn't know this was going to happen." I was like, "Well, <laughs> here we are." But that, that's uh, yeah, nice, though. That's nice. I I find um. My favorite moments are at the ends of episodes when people are like, I could send you my copay if that would be reasonable. <laughs> That's okay. That's like, That's okay. Yeah, Don't I'm, worry all, about I'm it. all right over here. All right. Yeah. So there's a little noise coming through your microphone. I have to decide if you're touching something or if it's just noisy. Um, it's probably, well, I'm not touching anything either, but I've moved the cord onto the desk as opposed to into my lap. So if I'm moving, in, if I'm moving. No, it just sounds like, I don't know how to put it. That, what was that? Oh, that was just me adjusting my head, my headset, but this is the first time I've done it. Sit perfectly still, Kate. Stare straight ahead. <laughs> Stare at a point in front of you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't think it was that. I think it's, I think the headset's a little noisy. I'm not sure why. Probably, yeah. I, probably here. Let me adjust it so that it's like tighter on my head. Okay. Maybe. All How's right. that? Yeah, it, I, it's fine. Just um, don't futz with it. Okay. All right. I'll be a non-fusser. You, no, I said futz. You don't know Yiddish? Oh. <laughs> I mean, fuss. I don't know Yiddish. Oddly enough, it's yeah. not a, a language I've come across yet. I don't really know much of it either. I just, there's a couple no, of favorite no. words I have. We've been like, I've lived in country. Well, not lived. I've been to countries that are supposed to speak Yiddish, but I, I don't think I've ever heard it, to be fair. But I also don't know what it sounds like. So I don't know if I've ever heard it. These are just the know. words my Jewish friends throw around in, in conversation. So I don't really That's know amazing. many of them either. But all yeah. right, here we go. So. <laughs> diagnosed 11 or 12. I don't think it matters yeah. either. And you're yeah. saying that this is an indication that diabetes was not made like front and center in your life. But do you mean that yeah. in a bad way or do you mean that in a, like a healthy way? I think it could be both. Like I think when I was, uh, I think it could be both. The first few years that I was diagnosed, um, it was a thing. My mother, my mother very much made it a thing, um, but not... Uh, but like the rain, I took the reins. So like they weren't, uh, my, my personality doesn't allow, well, I'm a control freak. So my personality wouldn't allow them to have any control over it whatsoever. Um, so I basically took the reins on my health um, and kind of how I, like I was the one that gave the insulin. I was the one that did, um, uh, like figured out what I needed to eat and all that jazz. They right. kind of brought me the tools, but I was the one that went through it. And figured out. Okay. Um, did that work and out? So it did and it didn't. I think it, it's hard to say just because there's so much that's happened, and my I was I was not really I don't want to say normal, but like I had a lot of mental health issues and what have you. So there's a lot of things that happen that could potentially have been because of the diabetes or um, it was made worse because of the diabetes, you know, like, so it's hard to say that mismanagement, because there definitely was mismanagement with my diabetes, but it probably played a stronger part because my mental health was so deteriorated that I used it as a tool to self-harm really. So I don't, I, and so control, probably needed to be had from my parents but it's really hard to control me so like it's I 
I pity them for having to kind of put up <laughs> with any of that nonsense when I was growing up because yeah, it was a fight and a half for okay. them. Right. Um, so it's one of those things. It's like, I also think that because it's, it's not front and center, it's, I have great control now and it's, um, and I really don't, I think about it, but it's not what I think about the most. It's not, it's just something that I live with and it is what it is. Um, and so I think that that's a health, like, I think that that's healthy for me. And I'm not sure that I would have that way of thinking if I hadn't gone through the shitness of, you know, my teenage years, if I, that makes Okay. And I'm already enjoying being inside of your mind because you just mm -hmm. did a thing that was fascinating. You spoke in 17 circles, but <laughs> but got through all of your thoughts in a way that I understood and came back to the original question, okay. which, which I was not expecting. I have to tell you, when we got inside of like the fourth concentric circle, I was like, there's no yeah. way she remembers what I asked her, right? <laughs> and then at the end, you're like, so, you know, and I was like, God damn, she buttoned it up. I was like, that was <laughs> Both frightening and, and and really impressive. I'm going to yeah. enjoy knowing you. Okay, hold on a second. So prior to the type 1 diabetes, were there, were there mental health issues then? Yeah, so it started coming about, I started um, realizing it or it started making itself known when I was about 10. So 10 was when I started self-harming. Mm -hmm. Um I was younger than that when I started to just get into like loads amount of trouble. So I started getting in trouble when I was like in grade three, however old that is. Um, started like wrecking things and like lighting things on fire by the time I was in grade four and five. Uh, grade six, I had like interactions with police. Like so, right, it's I've right, been Kate, let's, yeah. Let's so skip like over I've been hold on. What did we light on fire? Maker. What did we light on fire? Um, oh my gosh! So we like we <laughs> um, there's been like little bonfires in a park, like that where I used to live. Mm -hmm. That was the one. So like the cops pulled over. My dad at the time where I used to live um, before we amalgamated to, uh, to become like a bigger city. Um, my dad was a firefighter. So it's, it's not like I, I, and like two of my uncles were police officers. My other uncles, like an RCMP. So it, it's, we're, my family is well embedded in the public service. Um, so I don't know, I don't know why I thought, uh, I could get into trouble without my parents never finding out, but, right. um, used to let, let a whole bunch of fires in parks and like behind our schools and like picnic tables and used to damage school property all the time and hmm. all do, that jazz. Do yeah. you think that the people listening know you're Canadian now? Because I do. And I'm RCMP. <laughs> yeah. I'm super impressed with myself because my brain actually said Royal Canadian Mounted Police when you gave yeah. the acronym. And I was Perfect. like, I've been doing this podcast a long time. <laughs> I was like, of course, RCMP. I know exactly what <laughs> we're talking about right so now. So much sense. Yeah. yeah. And she's yeah. Canadian, which yeah. now makes sense too. So you're lighting things on fire. You're mm -hmm. are you attention seeking or are you can you no. look back with any perspective on it? No, it, I just used to uh, no, it was never attention seeking. Mm -hmm. Um it was just I I genuinely I don't know. It's I have like a, a like an impulse 
like I've, I've got a lot of impulse issues. Okay. Um, and I don't think of consequences. So it's, I, I have, I fall in line a lot kind of with like a, any social personality disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the common things where people have, like it gives them conscious thought of maybe this isn't a good idea. I don't have, um, and so it, it's just, yeah, sure. We can, like, why not? Why would we not? Why would we not do these things? Right. Um, Let's see if like, the monkey can I, eat the I, snake. I, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do your parents do anything about it? Uh, I feel they've, I feel like there was a summer there where I was grounded the most of it, but <laughs> um, I never had issues being by myself so it was never a punishment like not being with friends was never a punishment for me because i am comfortable by myself and i'm comfortable in a crowd so um but they didn't send you to a physician or oh god like absolutely um it and when i started getting older like i started it's the hospital close to us the children's hospital it's called chio um and so as my mental health continued to deteriorate i started going into programs via chio so like a lot of like group therapy i've had to go to um management classes as well mm-hmm. um Do they so help? like all these kind of programs um they help now they didn't help at the time okay um so it's definitely i think all the programs that i've been through i didn't feel the benefit at the time but i feel the benefit now is it something that you go back um like i said because i struggle with impulse issues and i i have a a really i have a a a really bad temper to the point where i i see like red and black and can absolutely like black out and not remember what was going on Mm -hmm. um before I get to that like combustible state, I definitely reflect back on like the lessons that I've learned through outreach programs to be able to try and be a, uh, I don't, I keep, I don't want to say normal person, but like a a person that can behave in society. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I don't want to shoot all the way for normal, but let's, yeah, it's like normal is boring. I don't want to do that. And I think that normal is just like a a societal construct that isn't actual, um, true. So uh, I, I hate using that word, but, um, I think what everyone deems as a, a normal way to interact with society is kind of, the tools that people try to thrust upon me that I do tend to look back on. What, can I ask you, um, is that a colloquialism like see red or do you like, does it actually in your vision or is it just a, a way of saying that you're just blindingly angry and it doesn't, nothing matters. It's, I don't, it's, I, no, it's, I like, I, it, pulses i can't i can't explain it other than it's like the entire you can you kind of get it watching a movie when they're um doing like a point of view or like um not even a movie um i guess it's like a video game the first person shooter games where they've been injured and the screen pulses and it kind of goes red on mm-hmm. the 
um, on the frame and the the image pulses. That's kind of what it's like. Um, and then a lot of it, I don't, I genuinely don't remember. And it doesn't last long. It's not like it lasts for like an hour or anything like that. But there's definitely long what moments could... or long minutes where you just kind of have no idea what's going on because you're blindingly angry. And it really is like you're blindingly angry that you just kind of black out about what's going on. And then you kind of come to and you're like, oh. I just threw like a huge temper tantrum, but hmm. it's bananas. <laughs> Can it happen over anything or does it have to be a big thing that drives you there? Um, it can generally it's, it's like a, definitely a buildup. So again, it's one of those things where I, I have to go back to like anger management classes and, you know, they, they, they at first they kind of push like, go to your head place or count or, um, deep breaths and stuff like that. Um, and so it, it happens more in during like high stress times. So if I'm, if there's a lot going on and I'm severely stressed, um, it's a buildup of those stressful moments. So it could be over something really small, um, but it's like a, a building effect. It's not like everything is fine and dandy and then suddenly I snap. It's just, it's a lot of um, progressive moments. Right. Empty tissue um, box, the 30th thing that's gone wrong could be the tipping point, but exactly, just not the yeah. empty tissue box on its own. Exactly. Have yeah. you ever hurt your, yourself or somebody else during one of these moments? Um, not somebody else. Have I wanted to? Absolutely. Um, myself, yeah, just be, like I've punched walls. I've punched like um, brick walls. I put my fist through drywall. Um, but generally, it I'll like smash something. Mm -hmm. um, for the most part, though, I'm quite clear that I need to be left alone. My mother and I used to have a lot of these blowouts. Um, and I used to like keep telling her that she, like she needs to leave me. She needs to leave me alone because I will physically harm her if she like she just needs to leave me alone for ten minutes to calm down, and then we can resume. You know, um, because I it's I feel like I'm going to combust, and I don't I I don't want to deal with that. Do you have <laughs> so, do you have a diagnosis from anybody about that? Like what it is. Uh, like they've tried to diagnose me throughout the years. So I've seen like several social workers and psychiatrists and psychologists um, and doctors, and I've been admitted and, you know, discharged and stuff like that. So um, I'm sure that there's quite a few uh, diagnostics running around. Um, they're kind of tied up to like a whole bunch of things. Like, yeah, it's, it just really. Do you identify anyway? Um, generally because the, like any social personality disorder has probably been pushed around a lot. I don't ident identify it as it, mm -hmm. much like how I, the first thing I, when I'm introducing myself, like when I was telling you, like, I've never introduced myself as hi, I'm Kate. And I, I've been a type one diabetic for X amount of years. Um, it's the same with that is that it's not something that I'm like, hi, I'm Kate and I'm, I'm a case a lot of the time <laughs> it's, it's not it's it's bizarre to me it's I don't find that I define myself because I, it's, I, I don't know how to do I, I that's that's bizarre to me I, I don't I I don't 
allow my personality or the things that have happened to me to define to define myself. And I feel like when I start putting titles to things that whilst it can be empowering, um, I find that it's also um, something to hide behind and what have you. So it's, I'm very upfront with um, my mannerisms and how I deal with situations, but um, putting a label to it or being like, this is, this is what I am is, is uh, bizarre things to come out of my mouth. Okay. No, it does. So, because I'm like, I'm looking at it's, you know, the definition of antisocial personality disorder. Do you not, uh, do you not associate yourself with, with its description or do you have like, uh, I'll read it for people. Uh, Antisocial personality disorder is personality disorder characterized by long-term pattern of disregard for or violation of the rights of others as well as a difficulty sustaining long-term relationships like does that describe you no but i'm really good at because i'm i'm married so like i'm technically in a long-term relationship right now um yeah they qualify marriages (laughs) sorry i said marriages qualify as long-term yeah exactly um a lot of the interactions i have is learned behavior um my mother will be the first one to tell you that like, I'm not an empathetic character. Like, so she'll, she would definitely be like, yes, actually a lot of the symptoms of this is how my daughter is. Um, And as I can see some, like there's definitely similarities. Um, It it makes sense when going through from start to finish kind of, um, the patterns of how things have happened. Everyone's like, yeah, no, this is, yeah, that, that's what you are. Like, this is, this is, this is your diagnosis. This is what you are. Um, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like that's, I guess, I, I don't know. Sure. How long, <laughs> like, how long have you been married? I've been, so we got married in 2019. I've been with Tyler since 2014. 2014 2015 right since 2015 the beginning of 2015 okay i'm gonna ask Um, a question this question is only based on my history of talking to other people um not on anything about you does he have any issues no No. he's like the most normal person i've ever been with okay and so yeah (laughs) is that a distinction i don't know i don't know how normal everybody else was maybe well like he like he's just like he's a, a very like it's everyone is everyone who meets them. I, I don't think that they're surprised, but I think there's been a lot of people that are like, huh, that's not, this is not who I pictured. Like he's, uh, so he's South African. I think that's, he's South African. So he definitely has been raised differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's an, he's like a, a accountant. Like he's, and he's an introvert who is a gamer. Like he, he's a complete opposite polar opposite of me um in every way shape and form um and he's stable and he doesn't have like trauma and and all that jazz so right. like like the most stable person that i have ever had in my life it's it's bizarre to experience when you have diabetes and use insulin Low blood sugar can happen when you don't expect it. Gvoke Hypopen is a ready-to-use glucagon option that can treat very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes ages 2 and above. Find out more. Go to gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. Gvoke shouldn't be used in patients with pheochromocytoma 
or insulinoma, visit gvocglucagon.com slash risk. Did you know that it's possible that the blood glucose meter you have right now is not as accurate as is available? Did you know that at contournext.com forward slash juice box, you may find the Contour Next One blood glucose meter cheaper than it would even be coming through your insurance? That is a possibility. Why don't you go look? Contournext.com forward slash juice box. As soon as you get there, there's a big kind of yellowy button that says buy now. If you click on it, it takes you to all different options online. Rite Aid, Target, Kroger, CVS, Walgreens, Amazon, Walmart, and more. Just clicky-clicky if you want to buy. I'll tell you what. I'm going to click on the Amazon link for what they call fun. Takes you right to like a, a Contour Next page where you can get strips, meter, etc. Let me let me click on the strips. Now look at that. I can just add them to my Amazon cart. Very reasonably priced, I believe. Interesting. Anyway... Maybe you're paying less through your insurance. Maybe you're not, but you owe it to yourself to check it out. You also owe it to yourself to make sure you're using an accurate blood glucose meter. And the Contour Next One is just that. It's the meter my daughter's been using for years. It is 100% hand. Uh, I'm holding my hand up like I'm like I'm in court and I'm getting ready to testify. Right? Um, best meter I've ever used. Most accurate meter I've ever used. Easiest to hold, handle, see, use. Great test strips, second chance testing. You, you can't go wrong. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. Lastly, don't forget at touchbytype1.org, you go to the programs tab, then to annual conference, and there you can get your free ticket to Touch by Type 1's annual conference on Saturday, August 27th at the Lowe's Portofino Bay Hotel at Universal Orlando from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. And I know I'm going to be there making a lot of talking about diabetes. I hope to see you there. Touchbytype1.org. All right, let's settle back in. There is a ton of podcasts left, and Kate is a great guest. She is very open and honest. This is a good one. Here we go. Well, are, are there aspects of your personality that that would feel fun if I was in a personal relation with, with you? Oh, God, I'm a blast. Yeah, like, I mean, like, that, like, I, yeah. are we having sex? And I'm like, Kate, I have an yeah. idea about this lamp. And you're like, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Genuinely. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, absolutely. There is nothing that I would turn down. Like, I will absolutely try everything once. Um, and I am always like, so Tyler, uh, and he'll say it too. It's like the reason he's had the kinds of adventures that he's had is mostly because of me like so he's seen a lot of the world because of me because i'm like hey i have an idea let's go to like spain for the weekend so we used to live abroad so we used to live okay um so it would be nothing for me to be like yeah let's we're going to spain for you know in mm -hmm. two days for three so you know pack a bag and we're going um and he'd be like okay and or we just... would go on like a, a 10 country um drive like road trip and not book anything until we actually landed in the country and that is completely normal behavior so so you drive um, him away from his comfort and yeah. and expand him does he drive you towards his normalcy at all i think so too i think he does like i think he's very he's calming and so and it, when i start to spiral um because i i don't understand um i i don't understand a lot of um, people's reactions to things. It, it, it's 
it's I, I don't understand them. So he'll have to explain, uh, like if I'm having a back and forth with my mother. Um, so we, it's case in point, we used to, when we were getting married, I, my father passed away a few years ago. And so, and my mother was still grieving or she still is grieving. She'll probably be grieving for the rest of her life. But, um, she was feeling like we were paying more homage to him than her who, and she was still around, you know? Um, and I didn't feel that way because she's still around and she's able to physically, you know, enjoy the moment with me and be there. Whereas mine wasn't. Um, and so to logically to me, it, her feelings just didn't make sense. Um, and so when she would start crying and, and what have you, I, I used to have to, at the end, I used to have to go to Tyler and be like, is this, is she being, um, dramatic? Like, is she being unreasonable or is this a normal behavior? And so he would have to explain, he has to explain interactions with that I have with people so that I can logically understand the way that they're reacting That's <laughs> so that it makes sense and, to me. And, and after experiencing it with her, does it not make sense to you the second and third time? Yeah, it does. So like, it's like I said, a lot of my um, reactions to people is learned behavior. So generally, like, he can tell. um, And a lot of people can tell because I, uh, because I'm super awkward, if I don't, if I don't respond correctly or the way that most people respond is most likely because I haven't encountered the situation before. So a lot of my reactions or like um, what is deemed as a empathetic response isn't actually any empathy that I feel for them. It's a a learned behavior that I have uh, had to learn and go back to in order to, I don't know, survive that's society. the first frightening thing you've said so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. The rest of it, I've been all right. Like, I've been like, uh-huh, yeah. I understand, I understand, I understand. Yeah. You're like, I yeah. have to pretend to be empathetic. I'm like, uh-oh. Yeah, uh- yeah like, oh, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's genuinely, like, and it's not, like, it's not, like... It's, I always have to explain to, I was like, it's, I'm not like a, a Ted Bundy because it's like a Ted Bundy or like a, a what's the, what's something Dahmer? Jeffrey anyway. Dahmer. Go ahead. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, it's it sort of, it's not, I'm not them and not like I'm like, I purposely go out to her people um, or anything like that, but it's, I don't have empathy is not a um, reaction that, is something that that I feel towards things and people and what have you. Mm-hmm. It's 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 not. It's something that I have to practice at. Um. So, but yeah, but, but you see that as something you should be doing, right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, and like I said, like it's it, or otherwise, if I didn't, then it wouldn't. I I wouldn't be reflecting, or I wouldn't have like a cache of things to say to people already handy. Do, do you know no, what I, I mean? Do. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you didn't give a shit, then you wouldn't you wouldn't put in the time and effort with people who are close to you to be, to make them feel like you care because I, it's, I, I genuinely do feel like I do care about people. Um, but it's not your reaction. It's just, yeah, it's just not the first reaction. It's, it's, I, I, I have to, um, I have to work at it is really what it comes down to. Does it bother you personally that you don't feel that way? No, not at all. It it wouldn't. It bothers you because 
you know that society expects it and because Tyler has explained it to you. Yeah. All right. Um, did you have any trauma in your life when you were younger? Uh, not anything to like write a book about or anything like that. I, I grew up, I'm a relatively normal person. I grew up with both and, um, other than like having large conflict with my dad, but that was just him and I had a lot of the same, uh, we have a lot of the same traits just in personalities. So mm-hmm. we're, and we have very big personalities. So it's a, we take up a lot of space in small rooms. So there was a lot of conflict with him. Um, and then there was a lot of conflict with my mother because my mother was to get into things and it's like a dog at a bone just doesn't leave it be. Um, and so we would have a lot of conflict and we're both females and we're both growing up. So I don't think that there are many instances where a daughter and mother don't have conflict, especially in teenage years where like hormones are amok and all that jazz. Um, but my dad was a workaholic. And so it was my mom who was always around who had to deal with the mental health of her daughter, which was really destructive. So um, I didn't give any of them a hard time, but I, an easy time. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah, so there conflict in that way, but no, my brain just is not wired the way that most brains are in terms of. So the the big that. ones, the like the the big ones, like uh, high stress environment, um, a sudden violent death, witnessing bodily harm to another person at a young age, domestic abuse, violence, physically attacked, assaulted. He didn't live through a natural disaster. He didn't have to run no. from a hurricane. Like nothing. No. No, I've been through like have witnessed things since, but like nothing that would be the the triggering point for uh, bizarre behavior, I guess. Mm, okay, all right, and yeah. you and your father similarly wired. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Okay. Except he's experienced more trauma than I ever have, but yeah, absolutely similarly. So he wired. experienced trauma. He so he was a firefighter, like they like, and he. At the end of his days, he was definitely, uh, he drank a lot more, like he definitely experienced a lot of PTSD, mm-hmm. undiagnosed, um, but he drank a lot more. Um, and he, the the things I'm sure any like emergency person would ever experience is traumatic, especially when you're like working in a, a bigger city than right. most. So, yeah. um, But you, do you I, think that he mirrored some of that like did you mirror it off of him do you think no and i think like i don't think he had like i think he was very empathetic i don't think in the sense that i am um, we weren't the same people in terms of how we reacted to um uh, and how we reacted to or how i'm trying to think of um him and i dealt with um situations similarly but not i don't think it's because we were similarly wired and i think um because he was super always cool calm and collected like it didn't matter what was going on if like he was always the calm one so if i injured myself he'd be like yeah okay so this is what we're going to do this is how we're going to deal with it and like always be like boom 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 this is this is the plan this is what we're doing whereas my mom would be in hysterics right um and so i that and that's how my brain automatically works that way is that like okay so this is the problem 
Um, these are the things we need to consider. This is what we're going to be doing. This is how it's going. Like this is should be the outcome. That's not the outcome. This is plan B. This is plan C. Like my brain automatically um, lists that quickly whenever I'm going through any kind of situation. So whether it's like uh, whether someone's just broken their arm or gotten into a car accident or whether I am choosing like a tile for backsplash of a kitchen, mm-hmm. you know, like that is generally always how my brain works. I don't know if that's how my dad's brain always worked or if that's just how he was trained, but it's just, so we reacted to a lot of things similarly, yeah. but I don't know if it was based on personality or just because that's how he was trained. Does the way your mom thinks bother you even away from like personal issues? Like if she, yes. if she helped you pick the backsplash, yes. the way she would talk yes. about it would piss you off. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I hear Always. I yeah. See what's going on. Okay. And, and my mom, like my mom has more trauma than I do. So, so she's grown up with trauma. Um, and she's very empathetic. Like she, she feels everyone's emotions and she feels hers wholeheartedly. So mm. she is like a, she's got this huge heart. Um, Polar bear attack. She, your mom lived through. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she has the, and she has illnesses herself, but, um, it's basically how it, it's how my mom deals with things drives me absolutely it drives me batty like mm. absolutely batty she has physical um, illnesses she does yeah so she has chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia okay. um and she has depression as well so it, it's definitely something that runs in the family um Do you but think- the chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia is the the big one, the big one. so and and she hides is a as a crutch whereas i think that's also a thing with like so i am a type 1 diabetic and i also have crohn's and then i've also had you know mental illness for the more than the majority of my life Mm -hmm. um and i I, it's those have never held me back or kept me back nor have i ever used them as an excuse not to do anything so we uh differ greatly there and i definitely struggle to see eye to eye with her in most things in that that regard how old were you when your dad passed uh he died in 2012 i'm 36 so it's gonna be uh yeah so it's gonna be 10 years so i was about 26 when he died okay um all right so hold on that was a lot (laughs) just give me a second (laughs) sorry no don't be sorry i'm just trying to keep it all straight in my head that's all um and and nowhere to go next uh Okay, so you took care of your diabetes through your childhood. Yeah. What kind of outcomes did you have for type 1? I mean, were you going to appointments or like how was Yeah. It? Yeah, so and and it's also like I'm because so I'm specifically I'm from Ontario. I live um in or I grew up in Ottawa. Um so our healthcare system obviously is not only are we different from other provinces, but obviously we're vastly different from the US. Um so definitely was going to appointments because they don't cost me any money. So like, that's, that's, it's simple. Like it's, I it never had to put it through insurance, none of that. Um, and anything that did go through insurance because I was on dependent upon my father, who is a, a firefighter, our insurance was covered a hundred percent. Um, so definitely went to appointments like twice a year, I think was the standard every six months, got my blood work done, went through like the diabetic programs and stuff like that. so um that was always a thing the first year or two I was where I needed to be like my a1c's was in like the 
the sixes. Um, and then as my mental health deteriorated, so did my diabetes. So the worse I got in one regard, it happened with the other one as well. Okay. So I ended up having, like, I ended up being diagnosed with, um, neuropathy by the time I was like, just before I turned 18. Um, so Chio is where I went for my diabetes. They were going to keep me past I was 18. So because it's a children's hospital, they tend to only keep you till you're 18 before they migrate you over to um, an adult situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they th- they thought just because of how deteriorated I was with my mental health and with my diabetes, that it would be smart to kind of keep me on for a little bit longer just to make the transition a little bit easier. Um, but the second that I was diagnosed with neuropathy, they had to cut ties because they said that they like they're a children's hospital and they don't see that neuropathy is not something that children get diagnosed with. So these six one um, cs how long did they last before they got to the point where they were causing neuropathy? Like when you said your mental health deteriorated and then mm-hmm. your, and then your diabetes care like followed along with mm-hmm. it. What age does mm-hmm. that happen at? Um, so probably things got really bad when I was about 14. So probably about like two or three years into being a diabetic. Um, and then they just kept getting worse. So like having my A1Cs in like the 12s and 13s is nothing, was nothing like that was the norm. So you were Um, not giving yourself insulin at all? Were you just doing short, long acting? I I think it was just like it was just I, I was MDI um, I, when I was first diagnosed it, you basically pulled straws to see if you would be on two needles a day or three um, and so I, I pulled the two needles a day straw genuinely that was how you had to do it you had to pull a straw um, but you were just like like it was random luck at the doctor's office yeah. you're saying yeah Oh yeah. Like yeah. they only had so much insulin for one thing or the other. I have no idea. I genuinely have no idea. I, I don't know. the. I, I have no idea the thought process behind it. Hmm. Like, it was very bizarre. Like how it is now and how it was then is I feel like probably night and day. It's same with the mental health. You know what I mean? Like I think, yeah, it, I think everything is night and day from how it used to be to how it currently is. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear Chio is has like a great diabetic program. I've never, I have never been a part of that. I, I didn't have a great experience with Chio and their diabetic program. I have great experience with Chio and their mental health programs, but not so much their diabetes so, one. So you're doing regular and MPH or or Toronto yeah. and whatever they yeah. call it, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. um. And you're, and you're just, are you even doing that by the time you're 14? Yeah. Yeah. So was like, was, so was still taking my insulin, but wasn't sticking to the food. So I, that when I was diagnosed, we were on like two starches, two fruits two like that. I don't Mm -hmm. even know what it's called anymore, but it was that kind of meal plan. Um, but definitely ate whatever I want whenever I wanted at okay. any point in time. So you were eating, um, you were eating well past what the, oh, the insulin was well past. Okay. Oh yeah. 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 And then oh. high blood sugars that I imagine would make your situation worse. No, with your mental yeah. health. Yeah, absolutely. But it, like the thing with like high blood sugar, it works the same as an alcoholic, right? Like, so the more when you become used to it, um, your body, 
um, your body gets used to it. Right. So you, it's, yeah. You don't, so you, it's, you don't, you don't, don't notice it. it as much. Oh God. Right. So like even now, so now that I'm in normal range where I'm supposed to be, the second I go over like nine, I feel nauseous. Like I don't feel well. Like I, I can physically feel it. Mm-hmm. Whereas like back then, if I was at nine, I felt like jittery and weird because it's like the lowest that, that I felt low be. to you oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah all right um at, you said as as my mental health de- like deteriorated like what what deteriorated like where do you go from like setting fires and being combative yeah. and like what happens and, next? Be- and being bananas um so it's i attempted suicide uh i started talking about it i think i was like 14 and then I attempted suicide when I was either 14 or 15 and so it's how I ended up within Chio in their mental health programs okay. so I was um, self-harming well before then and I was self-harming well after um, and so and I don't think I realized it at a time but I think I used my diabetes as another form of self-harm right like so if I'm not obviously taking care of myself one way then I'm sure it's not going to be taking care of myself the other way right or if i already had plans to end my life why would i be, why be would making I a great bolus yeah <laughs> just yeah like, yeah, yeah. No, I hear you, you know yeah, like that yeah. it's silly it makes no sense so um but genuinely i think my mom like bawled her brains out after like every birthday i had since i was like 21 she doesn't anymore but like she went a bit of an all she even said it during her the speech when I um like at our reception our wedding reception she just she didn't obviously go into detail but she's like we did not think that she would make it here like I did not think that she would be this age and marrying this wonderful man you know right. um and a lot like all of my doctors said the same thing like in hindsight obviously not when I'm going through it they they weren't like yeah you're not you're not going to survive that type of thing um but all of them have said like we did not think that you would make it out of your teenage years like we didn't think you'd hit 20 and 21 um yeah so like it, it like yeah I was an absolute mess of a person and I got like so I wasn't through to when I was going through school I was going through the Catholic board even the Catholic board and I wasn't showing up for school like I was not going to school at all so even the Catholic board like kindly told my mother I don't think it's a good idea that she returns here because we don't have the capabilities of being able to um, support her yeah um, and then which is a good thing because I went to the public board who did and I ended up in like a, a spec ed kind of course with this woman named Mrs. Innes, who's like a godsend. She's like this Scottish awesome woman who was like the first woman who was like, no, you are going to survive past this. Like you will, you are going to, you know, become old and gray and have babies. Like you are absolutely going to make it through everything. And she was like the first one to ever say, whoever said that. Um, Does it start becoming like a self-fulfilling prophecy at some point where you just like, look, this is going wrong and this is going wrong. Like, do you, do you think you were leaning into it at at points as well? 
Probably. And I yeah. think it, it's hard, like, not to. Like, it's, it's hard to not be like, well, I mean, and it's, it goes with the same with, like, decision making as well, right? Like, so if I already have an impulse issue, and I already think that I'm probably going to die, like, who, like, oh, yeah, of course, I'm going to do really stupid, because I'm not going to be around long enough to deal with any of the consequences, mm-hmm. right? So, and absolutely probably leaned into it yeah. far far yeah so then what i mean did this lead to any um do you have any personal issues like did they become i'm mean, i'm trying to figure out how to say this did you become i've heard of uh, the word seems wrong i know but the word feels wrong um yeah does it become do you become promiscuous Oh God, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, yeah. All right. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that used to be like the running joke in the family, which sounds absolutely bananas. But like my aunt, whenever we used to get together, she'd be like, "So who's the flavor of the week?" And I'd be like, "Well, several." Um, absolutely became promiscuous. Like okay. got very because and like it's. I think it was a a part because you just do. Um, and when you don't feel a whole lot inside, or when you're feeling kind of dead. Um, you're kind of looking for something that feels good, right? And you're you're looking for it often. So again, that comes with the the impulse. You kind of get a rush. Yeah, I'm going to have this rush because really it's the only way that I'm feeling anything. And yeah, I'm going to have sex because I know what the gratification afterwards is. And what even if it lasts for only a few moments, at least I've got it and then move on, right? Yeah. Drug addicts feel the same way. It's why they go after their next hit, right? Because they're just looking to just feel something other than what they continuously or like already feel. Right. Um, so it works the same way. Absolutely went to drugs as well. Like, like I said, like any way to kind of just step out of my life for five seconds, I was on that train and riding it hard well yeah let me me ask you a question before we get into that so or actually let me say this first i realized while you were talking i didn't want to say the word because i was afraid people would think that i was asking you just because you're a girl oh no and i would have asked you if you were a guy too i just like it because it seems like a date like to me like sex is weird right like if you do it with somebody you really know that seems a reasonably as safe as it could possibly be if you mm-hmm. you know you have a one night stand once in a while like i i get even that that seems reasonable but if you start mm-hmm. bouncing around to multiple people yeah you, you know like you're putting yourself potentially in a harmful yeah. situation either oh, physically yeah. or or maybe even like with your health you, you know yeah. so yeah okay um did yeah, any yeah. of those and, things and, ever go and, badly did you ever did you ever like find yourself somewhere thinking like, I got to get out of here or. Uh, absolutely. And yeah. like, and even just in relationships as well. Right. So whenever I feel like whenever you don't, if, if you stop putting yourself first, you're going to start getting into relationships where they also don't put you first either. And so um, it's very easy for you to find yourself in um, like a commodity in, situ- in somebody else's story. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay. Like you're just a, a thing, right? And I, a lot of the time, I, I thought myself like, yeah, it's I'm, and I, it's it's bizarre because I used to be like, well, it's you know, it's a, a power. Like if men can feel this way, why can't I? Um, but I think whilst I still stand by that point as well, is that I I feel 
like the second, it's kind of like probably why you felt uncomfortable asking me because I'm a female, but you would have said the same thing to a male as well. Um, I feel like, because you were saying that what other people would think, because other people view women who are promiscuous very different than men do, right? So I think it was a whole bunch of things. I think it was because I didn't really value myself, but I also think it was kind of like a you to people as well, you know, like, Mm -hmm. why can't I do this? If, if I am consensual, why can't I, why can't I, why can they, why can't I, why am I treated different? Or why am I looking, why am I looked at different? Why am I called a slut? But this is getting like props because he's just, you know, banged his, you know, three number chick. Like I I gotta tell you, I've I've known a couple of those guys and they seemed as broken as anybody else who would. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, yeah. I, I mean, maybe yeah. people see it that way, but if you really know them, I don't know how you would see it that way. Exactly. It, they they yeah. were doing the same exact thing as you're describing. They're just, yeah. you know, they're, they're doing the entering instead of being entered is the only real difference between mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. what they were chasing mm-hmm. and what you were describing. So exactly. Right, right. Like generally I find people who do it, it's a void that they're missing. Like yeah. it, it's, it, there's a void in their life and they're just trying to fill it however temporarily. So, right. Right. okay. Um, so yeah. How hard of drugs are we talking about? Like what, do, where does that start? And so, and- uh, marijuana or like any cannabis product was probably, uh, how it started and how it ended was with cocaine. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's <laughs> that. So, yeah. How long did that, part last for or is it still going on or uh no so it's it's not so i've um i shouldn't say drug free although i don't really deem cannabis as anyway um i've haven't had like i haven't snorted coke or had coke in any way shape or form um since i was about 21 or 22 so that's the last time um cannabis products i still it's it's weird for me because i definitely view it for myself, not in every situation, because I want to make that very clear because people use that as a weapon. Um, cannabis definitely was a gateway drug for me um, into that lifestyle. So it, it opened doors to different people that I probably wouldn't have met had I not started oh, smoking so weed. It's and not, so you're not saying that the weed is like, see, I think the way people think of it is that the weed's like... It, not strong enough so they search for something else but what you're saying is you get put in situations where you meet people yeah and then those people have stronger drugs and then the whole vibe just pulls you towards it yeah and i think it's different for other people and and it's it's what i mean because it's different i think people who are against it no matter what weaponize it and they don't really understand the differences between it i think um, yes, I think cannabis can be used as a gateway drug in the sense that they're looking for something stronger. I also feel like it can, or at least it used to, not so much here now, obviously, because we have legalized or at least decriminalized, legalized, yeah, we've legalized cannabis. So it's it's obviously a different conversation in our society or in our Canadian society now. Yeah. But back then, um, that it used to open doors to people that you wouldn't have had um interactions with otherwise you know so yeah i feel like i feel like there's maybe two different people in that scenario where you know like there are probably plenty of people who 
would use cannabis in some way or another in their life and never move on to anything else. And there are other people who were going to get to the cocaine no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. Is that how it seems to you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And And, and that's what I mean is that I hate when it gets weaponized because it's, it's not, I think it's more, it's the person, not the actual drug of choice. Right. Really. Right. So if a million people are using, are are using Mm -hmm. cannabis and I don't know, a hundred thousand of them end up using cocaine yeah. The the answer isn't one out of ten people, you know who it's yeah. the, the answer is that a hundred percent of the people who uh, want or enjoy or need weed uh, want enjoy and need it, and a hundred percent of the people who are going to make it to cocaine make it to cocaine. Not that exactly one makes it no. to the other. Well, I mean, yeah. listen, that makes a lot of sense to me. So, all right, but you so you were on a uh, like a quick ride, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen to twenty one. Like there's yeah. a lot happening in there. Do you, how do you get off of that train? I actually have no, I actually have no, I, I don't, I don't know what the turning point was. Um, when I was 20 or 21, I was diagnosed with Crohn's. Um, I was on, so when I, Okay. So I was on, um, went to cocaine by the time I was 18, I was fully into morphine, which is not, I don't feel like I ever, I don't feel like I ever really abused morphine, but definitely was on a ton of morphine. I was on morphine because of the neuropathies. So I was in loads of pain. So I was like crippled for six months. I was not able to walk or fully function. So I was kaput. Because I was kaput, I wasn't really doing drugs at that point. Um, But I was up to my eyeballs in morphine. I was up to my eyeballs in morphine because literally no other drug would take the edge off. I was on like so much morphine. I still had to go into... um, the hospital to get intravenous of morphine Mm. just so that I could just so that the edge could be taken off and I could even just sleep for two hours. Um, And then shortly after I was diagnosed with Crohn's and then was put on um, steroids. And then my diabetes really took like a huge turn because steroids. So I just started going down this, like this, rabbit hole of health issues that the rest of the stuff kind of just started dropping off a bit. I think that, and that's really all that it is, is that, um, where are you living during this? I'm still at home during all of this. Yeah. Right. So you're Um, so sick. The neuropathy has got you so screwed up that you're, you're on a, you're on morphine for the pain. And then that sort of like, this is weird. It gets you, you're so loaded on the morphine. You can't do any other stuff in your life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's an odd way to oh, get yeah. saved, but okay. And yeah. then, yeah. <laughs> some, yeah. you know what I mean? And then yeah. uh, at some point, do you then um, like start taking care of your blood sugars? Because do you have neuropathy now? That's painful. Yeah. So I am, I will, it's not as bad as it used to. And again, because I'm a control freak, um, and because I refuse to be on medication of any kind now, um, it's I deal with pain every day. So it's I it's again it's just one of those things that it's there. I deal with it. I move on. I don't really think about it. Um, I it bothers me the most when I'm 
at my lowest. So if I'm exhausted and I'm just having, because I still have bad mental health days, I will always have mental health issues because it's, that's my brain. Um, but it doesn't all consume me anymore. So, but I, when I am having a bad mental health day, um, the pain is astronomical. Like it's, it's, I, I'm most likely in bed or I'm sitting and I'm not moving for the most of the day because I'm in, I'm in so much pain. Um, they're few and far between, but they definitely happen. But no, it's, I, I live with pain every I live with pain every day. But it's did, just not like it used to be, did, I guess. Did better blood sugars and better control with your diabetes help that yes. at all? Yeah. Abso- oh, gosh. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Can I ask you a question that might seem like it's a little out of left field? And if, sure. you don't, if you don't have an answer, it's fine. But why is it that most of the people who I speak to who are the most out of control so frequently describe themselves as control freaks? Oh. <laughs> I mean, not for nothing. If you're a control freak, yeah. you're bad at it. Yeah. And so, yeah. like, yeah. so, um, so, what is the like? Because there's more in there. If we dig it apart, there's more there. Like, you, you, like, they espouse all the time. Like, I'm a control freak. I have to be in charge. Like, I, you said at the beginning, I needed to be in charge of my diabetes. You didn't do a good job yeah. of it, but no. you were in charge of it. I don't. Yeah. It, 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 it sort of like is when people tell me like I didn't let diabetes stop me, and I'm like, okay. And then how did that go? Well, my A1C was 12. Like, <laughs> well, but, I was a diabetic, but, but I definitely I still, did not let it stop me. I still me. went to the prom. It didn't stop me. I'm like, yeah, I think you're yeah, misusing that phrase. Should. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, it's stopping you just a little slower than you're aware of. And yeah. so um, you're not in control. Like everything about you is out of control yes. in this story. But you think of yourself as being very much in control. What is it you're in control of? So probably like growing up, nothing really like in terms of the circumstances that probably happened around it, not a whole lot. Did I feel like I was? Absolutely. I think when people, um, you want the, you want control, but I think that's you the want important con- thing. You, yeah. And I think, I think people use the whole, like, well, I didn't let diabetes control me. So I did this. And I think that they're, they're doing that because they feel the most out of control. Um, but I think they do that because they're trying to take something back from their life. Like they want to be under the impression that they made this decision and come hell or high water, it's going to come through. But it's, I, I, it's, I, I'm not sure it's, I, because I was like any time that my mother even tried to take the control, like control out of my grasp, I would go bananas. Like I would go sideways about it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just me floundering because it's this thing that is scary and it's, you know, a high potential that it could kill me because I don't have control. Right. Um, that I need to grasp for any kind of control in my life as out of control as that seems to everybody else that is looking at it from an outside point. I think that, I think that you just kind of grasp for anything at that point, however erroneous it is or however false it is just to kind of, I don't know, pretend like things are normal or that you had control over it when you really didn't. It's just all a big fabrication in in the end. You're incredibly Um, well thought out Kate for somebody who is going through all this stuff. 
You're a weird mix. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. asked you, like, by the way, I agreed with everything you just said now. <laughs> and um, I asked you because I thought you were going to have an answer. And I thought it would be more impactful if you said it than if I said it. But um, it's... <laughs> listen to me over here like like a puppet master in this conversation uh but but seriously like people want control because they're out of control and and so they choose something to feel like everything's not you know beyond their their whole yeah yeah yeah, right so and it can be you can see it sometimes i mean people change their hair color because at least they're in control of what color their hair is or they they wear really like nice nails Yep. Right. Like you'll see, you've, you, we've all like everyone's seen that, right? Like somebody's yep. horribly overweight or or ill or something, and the, everything in their life is a disaster. But they're they're incredibly manicured. Their yep. hair is perfect, and their nails yep. are perfect, and their yep. clothes are on point. Like the yep. things they can still control, they still control. Um, yep. But but none of us see it that way. Yeah. Like everyone everyone self describes as like, oh, you know me. I got it all together, yeah. <laughs> you know, except for the cocaine. I lit the yeah. park on fire. <laughs> except for the, like, the ginormous dumpster fire that is my life. Right, it's right, totally, right. everything do, is do, on the up and up. Do you know why they call the cops it. Mounties? Because they've all mounted me. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. like, like, yeah, yeah. like, yeah. All, exactly. the, yeah, all the other stuff's a disaster, <laughs> but you're like, but I don't know if you noticed my nails. They're beautiful. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but I look great. Right. Thanks. And so, but I don't also think that that's specific to you or me or... I think everyone has that. To Everybody degree. does yeah, that. Right. So I have, it's, it's, I feel like I just keep being like, so also I have this. So I have, um, so when I start to spiral, I have obsessive compulsive disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I start to spiral and I start to feel the most out of control, cause I will be the first one to be like, I, I'm, I feel out of control. Um, but the only reason that I will be the first one to know that is because that's when my obsessive compulsive disorder really starts to show its head so um and that's it's it's literally it it only comes about when I start to spiral out so and that was that started coming about when I thought I was in the most control of my life like in my teenage years I started doing these small things and I started doing these small things because it's what I had control over so it's like what you said what people will dye their hair you know they do these small things just to have some sort of resemblance like they've got control out of their like from their very Mm -hmm. chaotic lives right and I used to um you know sort things by color okay so I have control of this so I'm going to have control of my life I can control this things are going to be okay and it would be okay so I'm going to um gather all the utensils together and they have to be like straight and sorted and not out of place okay got this under control now I've got the colors under control okay I'm starting to feel like I've got control over my life which was never ever the case um and yeah it's it's but to be fair though Scott right now I have very good control of my life no one of the really great (laughs) listen one of the reasons I'm super excited for you to be on is because you actually have a conclusion to this story (laughs) You, you know like like you're not about to like we're not going to finish today and you're just going to start doing cocaine and no giving the yeah, no. hand to the neighbor. Like, you yeah, know what I mean? No. Like, like, right. Yeah. So well, I'm going to have to yeah. a lot of that out, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got, you know, I saw someone online the other day who said, <laughs> said that my show was dirty and I was like, what? And then I, <laughs> I was like, that's interesting. And then I realized that 
I just talk about things that are actually happening with people. And that's yeah. why they think of it as dirty. I don't think of it's any dirty. of it as dirty. No, yeah. it's not. Which is what I was, I had found when you had put out like, hey, I'm looking for some people or whatever. And it was like, what is seemingly taboo? And I, I it's it's bizarre. I think I think the world is is weird in the sense of what they've inherited as being, you know, seen as taboo. And the only reason why it's taboo is because no one talks about it, but everybody goes through it. Right. Like it was weird when we just bought our first house and no one talks about money. Like no one talks about like a mortgage. No one talks about how much money they make. No one talks about what they can and can't afford. And it's so detrimental to everybody because they don't talk about it. No one knows, like no one knows what's normal. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, you grow up and like your neighbors got three cars and a house and their yeah. kids are in college. And you don't know that that means that they have to make $300,000 a year to, to yeah. accomplish any Genuinely. Of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Genuinely. You're like, I don't understand this. They're working you know? themselves like, into the ground to make that exactly, money. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And it's the same with like mental health. So like before when I was growing up. Uh, the news don't do it anymore, but the news used to not report about suicide. Um, so if someone, even famous, if someone famous committed suicide, our news wouldn't really report it. Or if they report it, they wouldn't say that it was because of suicide, because it was believed that, you know, suicide A is taboo, but it's also triggering. It's not, actually. Um and so, but it used to be such a, a taboo subject. And now, whilst people still aren't, you know, it's not like an everyday conversation, I think it's important that people understand that actually it's it's quite, a lot of people go through it or at least have ideologies about it or think about it at least once in their life. And it may not be, you know, like completely detrimental to their health, but it's not weird either, you know, and so many people just feel like they're the only ones going through this, which is so annihilating to them. It, it makes them feel like because they are the only person, no one else will understand. Yeah. When Garen Teed, they probably have about 15 people in their life who have gone through something similar, mm. but because no one talks about it you're never gonna know it doesn't it, you're yeah. never gonna know and then you suffer in silence it's so weird to me it's bizarre it makes it's it's so illogical i i don't un, i don't understand it I and then it. people think i'm very brisk and like brash because i don't give a shit like if you ask me a question about anything if i've gone through it or if i know about it i'm going to tell you about it and people get really uncomfortable about it yeah. but i don't understand like why well, some understand why i will share i will share some theories with you right in a second but first i want to say I find it incredibly comforting that life ends because then it makes none of this yeah. seem all that really important. Worth it. Yeah, and yeah. then and it keeps you to like um I mean it, that keeps me from feeling like oh god like I screwed it up it's over. Like even if I mm-hmm. screw up my kids they'll be dead one day too. It yeah. won't matter. <laughs> you know, it'll be fine. Like, yeah, eventually it'll be I'll okay. Li- exactly. They yeah. may need a little bit of therapy, but genuinely it's okay. No, like just, it's okay. I just mean that nothing's forever. And yeah. and if nothing's for- I mean honestly Benjamin Franklin figured out a lot of things that we do. Okay. Like, I don't know if you, there's, um, he wrote a book. I think it's, I think he, under a pen name, poor Richard, maybe. I know this seems like a left turn, but hold on a second. <laughs> poor Richard's Almanac was a yearly almanac published by Benjamin Franklin, who adopted it, who adopted the pseudonym Poor Richard or Richard Saunders for the purpose. He wrote under a pseudonym. Um, it's basically just common sense written down. Hmm. Right. And, 
and you go back and I'm sure somebody might have done it before him, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But the truth is, is like we don't think about Benjamin Franklin anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and like and and he really impacted people and it's gone. Like it, it still exists in the ether. And I'm sure some of the things that he said back then to a small group of people got around and they started thinking that way. And he probably really mm-hmm. impacted things. But day to day, nobody walks around going, huh. Thank God for Ben Franklin. You, you know what I mean? Like, so point is, is that none of this matters all that much. I mean, yeah. in, in in your day to day, if you want things to be perfect, I take your point that it would be important for you not to use cocaine. <laughs> but yeah. but um, but but grand scheme of things, I'm comforted by that, like that you yeah. could have a 10 year swath of your life be a shit show. And mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean that the next 10 years are going to be like that. Exactly. I find a lot, yeah. of, a lot of comfort in that. The other thing that I really enjoy talking to you, one of the reasons, is because if we make a line and we say that this is societal norms, this line, like what people understand, and everybody on the other side of that line is not acting like you, and you're acting like you on the wrong side, so I'm making quotes, on the wrong side of the line, mm-hmm. I don't know that we're all not closer to being you than people think. Yeah. You, you, you know, so I think without without some of the things that, you know, people push back on all the time, like society and jobs and, you know, like, oh, I've got too much responsibility. Like, you didn't have any responsibility anywhere to go. We'd all just be in like a pile of ants running around on top of each other having sex yeah. and dying. Like, yeah. it would just be happening crazy. And you're yeah. you're just, you just have a little bit of your brain lacks a tiny bit of fine tuning that lets you live on the other side of that line. That's kind of how I see you. I don't know if that makes sense or not. It does. Yeah. Um, I don't see you as like, I don't see you as like, don't get me wrong. I don't see you as broken or like, you're just not like, you know, something that you're no, your brain's no different than your pancreas. It just almost works and then kind of doesn't at the end. And then it kind of doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But it's not in a way that like, you're delightful. In um, I am enjoying talking to you. I guess is what I'm saying. Well, yeah. Anyway, it's, I think we're I, all. I would expect. Yeah. No else, really. Yeah. I we're, am delightful. We're all. We're, <laughs> we're all about two problems away from being Kate. So, <laughs> watch yourself while you're judging. Her. Watch, watch it. Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Like yeah. it's, uh, yeah, it's. I, I feel the same way, Scott. No, no, I no, feel no. That way. I, I, I enjoy. This is nice. Are we doing okay for you so far? Oh, okay, fine. You're good with how this is going. All right. Um. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, okay, so we don't exactly know how you got to where you are now, but you did. I'm guessing that the neuropathy put you in bed and then it took away a lot of the like the kind of ancillary things floating around your life and probably made it easier for you to focus on stuff. But I don't know. I, I do, can't figure I it don't, out. And to be fair, I, I, it's, I, I don't know. It's I also get like I genuinely feel like I probably just got board and was looking for something else at that point like I I don't know what switched I don't know a lot of the times I don't know if it's I, I, I'm very good at being like, this no longer works for me. I need to move on to something else. And which sounds bizarre being like, so, you know, drugs don't really work for me anymore. I'm going to need to, you know, look for some other means to get gratification, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but it, I think it is just as simple as that. It's okay. that like, it, it was the same. So I used to, the first time I started smoking cigarettes. So just cigarettes, I was 10. So like I said, when things started to really get fun, 
I was around 10. So I first started smoking cigarettes when I was 10. I quit smoking, I think maybe when I was like 30. So I, I had been smoking, it's still to this point, I have been smoking longer in my life than being a non-smoker. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it wasn't one of those like, you know, I'm going to quit for health reasons or I'm going to, you know, I, I'm going to quit for this or it, it just it got expensive. And I was like, it's, this no longer does for me what it used to be. So I'm going to stop doing it. And then I stopped doing it. Hmm. It's the same with like with drugs. This no longer suits the purpose that I initially started out for. I'm no longer going to do that anymore. And then I just stopped doing it. Did you replace you know? it like, with something? Um, I probably like it's I, I, I don't. I don't even know. Like it's. Is this Tyler just in a corner somewhere smiling right now? Like, no, not no, at all. Nothing uh, like that. No, <laughs> not at all. Okay. Um, no, I think like it, Tyler probably just replaced, um, sort of like the relationships that I had with men. You know, like up until him, I think the the longest relationship I had was maybe like nine months or a year was the longest relationship I had. Mm -hmm. And I can't even, I have no idea how many people that I like, and that's like a relationship. So like the actual title boyfriend and girlfriend, um, I think I've had maybe five like boyfriends in my life, but I am, it's, I've lost count. Like I have a very healthy amount of partners who I've been with in my life, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I was getting to the point where like this, this no longer suits my purpose anymore. Like this, I'm, I'm no longer satisfied um, with the way that I'm a treating myself as well as like going from person to person. Like I, I don't get anything from that anymore. Um, so Tyler kind of replaced that thing. He became yeah. my person. And um, is that gross? I, settled with him i don't think that i don't think that's a nice thing to say i think we need it's not <laughs> it's not the way that people is yeah because you're like well i had to you know settled for something but i i settled with him like not the uh, me as a person my my whirlwind of of how i kind of run through life finally settled when i was when I'm with him. Yeah, yeah, no, I understand. You, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, this yeah. part of your life began with him. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. I and it, it like it started it definitely like I don't attribute I really don't attribute a whole other than just like that but like because I started when I started traveling I was it was 2009 the first time that I started traveling outside of the continent. Um and I think that's really what kind of took off um how like i started to um get a different view of the world and and people and and how it ticks and works and stuff like that um i've finally started not seeing i it's i'm definitely still self-involved i have a very healthy ego it's i'm surprised i can fit through doors most days um but i started seeing other people and how they live and it became fascinating to me and it made me not feel as big as I actually am that I'm actually 
like you said, that we're, we're kind of all ants. Mm-hmm. Um, or we would be if, you know, if, so you gain <laughs> if, some perspective. if we had no debt. Yeah, you gain yeah, some, if we didn't you, have any debt. Yes, yes, <laughs> exactly, sorry. yes. Two, two things happen um, there on top of each other. Yeah. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, I gain perspective of, like, what else is outside of me. And so, and that definitely started changing. And then I, I moved to the UK um, back in 2014. Um, and I was still going out partying a lot, but I got like a, I got my first desk, like desk job and became like an actual professional and became like an an actual adult of how people describe adults, which was weird. Um, and things just started kind of settling that way. And that was where I started like actually taking control of my diabetes. I have not had great control for long, but like for the last decade, I've had really tight and to me, I'm, I find myself very admirable in terms of how I've completely like 180 my health in terms of my diabetes and my Crohn's. I like my Crohn's went into remission and I started saying like no to doctors when they kept trying to shovel pills down my throat Mm -hmm. to make, you know, me different. Um, I started becoming more kind of self-aware of, um, am I doing this for a purpose or am I doing this for a, like for small gratification, you know, like what is the the grand scheme of of all of this? And I think that how I started viewing things and how I started making my decisions definitely, um, changed within the last decade. And, and do you have an addict's mind or no? A, a what mind? Addict? Are you are you addicted to something else yes. right now? I no right now. Other than like coffee, no. But okay. yes, I do. So it's I tend to stay away from. Like I've never been to Vegas because I feel like that is a dangerous place for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't game because I know it's the same with like on my phone. I don't have games on my phone because I know that I can. I, I know that it's very easy for me to um, get lost, go down. The, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, and not a healthy way, like in a very, very destructive way. Right, like sitting um, up late at night, like connecting yeah. dots on something. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you know, yeah. like the um, uh, the Big Bang Theory when what's her face becomes like an you know becomes like a gamer and she goes like three weeks without washing herself and like that that would be that's absolutely that would absolutely be me um but yeah so I definitely have an addict's addict's mind and I'm also very compulsive like so like I become obsessive like I'm I'm obsessive right so when we um um when we were looking for the house that we bought it's I spiraled I spiraled looking for the house that we bought so like something very normal I became obsessed with like to the point where I was probably getting maybe two hours of sleep every night because I was looking at houses or like I became obsessed with it and that was what my husband had to deal with for like a good solid year or at least nine months from like start to end but that's all that I did and like a girlfriend of mine was looking for a house at the same time so obviously and we had just found ours we just put in a, like a an offer and it was accepted and so i was feeling i i was feeling like uh like something was missing like i didn't know what to do with myself because now this this obsessive compulsive thing had been it's over 
it's over. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. am I going to be doing with my life now? And so she was like, so, you know, we're, we're putting our house on the market. And I was like, perfect. Like, and we laugh about it. Cause I'm like, you know, it's something else I need to obsess over. But genuinely that was it actually the the point i was like yes and then so i then started staying up until like 2 or 3 a.m in the morning sending her ads about like here's a house here's a house here's a house <laughs> let me point my crazy at your problem now. Yeah, exactly. yeah. like please gotcha. give me a reason like right. absolutely yeah are you okay in silence or no i'm yeah to the point where it disturbs other people i have no problem um I have no problem with being by my, like I said, I have no problem being by myself in silence. I can sit and stare out the window and not right. have a thought cross. I'm absolutely fine being still. Um, and I'm absolutely fine being in a, a crowd. And I have, um, it makes people uncomfortable because I've got no problem letting them sit in quiet with me. And generally people need to have some sort of white noise. They they need to feel like fill the silence with something i hate small talk like the second someone starts small talking me i, I get pissed off it's like i f- hate it because right. the only reason they're doing it is just to fill the silence because they feel uncomfortable i welcome uncomfortable feelings and i it brings me joy to make other people uncomfortable <laughs> kate maybe they just <laughs> like talking to you well i mean i mean i am again i'm delightful so i get it but <laughs> uh, <laughs> i, I feel like, like I'm yeah, enjoying usually, talking to you. Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> Otherwise, I feel like it would be kind of weird. I feel not that you need to fill the silence, but I feel like you're very engaging, and and that what that's what makes a but a good podcast. So if oh. things started going quiet, I feel like it, that could be potentially awkward. Yeah. Well, you won't let me talk over you, so it doesn't. I I yeah. couldn't if I wanted no, to. No, I won't. I've tried yeah, a no, couple of times. Just I know. To get you a have. Out, you're it like, doesn't. It doesn't happen. No, I know. Just, There's like a funny thought. meme that goes. Is like, how dare someone talk over me while I'm interrupting? Like, yeah, it gets me. <laughs> <laughs> I like when people yeah. say like he talks over people. I'm like, you know, some people will talk forever if you don't interject. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. you know, I'm just trying to move the conversation along. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nevertheless, we are. Um, Okay, so uh, I want to go back to. I'm sorry, I'm gonna forget myself in a second. Um, so you, you know, you just take a left turn, start taking better care of yourself. But then, how does that happen? Like, I mean, you've been living a long time with diabetes and not doing a great job of it. Like, did you know yeah. what to do and just weren't doing it, or did you have to learn what to do? I think it's a bit of both. So, um, like, I went on to it. So I went on to a pump when I started going to the adult hospital. So the one that I go to is QCH is the short form for it. Um, When I was 18 diagnosed with um, neuropathy, um, the diabetes nurse educator at QCH um, automatically put me on a pump and I'd been fighting Chio to be put onto a pump and they didn't trust me to be on a pump. They didn't think it was good for my health despite MDI, obviously not working for me. Um, And Sharon was like, yeah, no, you're going, you're going straight onto a pump. It doesn't matter. Like, this is what you need. Mm-hmm. Um, and within like six months of being on a pump, it's my, it doesn't sound, it still sounds awful, but like my A1Cs went down to nine. So when I'm used to being, you know, like 12 and 13, going down to deal. nine, I was like, Fuck yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. so this is what this is like. That's cool. Um, and then it, it kind of just snowballed effect from there like I was like okay so I kind of I still wasn't great at doing it but 
I was a lot better at doing it and watching kind of what I was eating. Mm -hmm. And then as I started becoming like more aware of my body and how it felt and how it reacted to things, I, I started being like, Oh, my, I can feel good just by looking after myself. I don't, I don't need these outside sources to feel great. Like I, if I take insulin when I'm eating, I, I, I can feel good about that. Like I'm not going to go like super high and spike and want to vomit all over the place because my numbers are so high and I'm going into DKA. That's how diabetes works. Oh, I had no idea that this is what control looks like. Like, so it was just one of those, like, Oh, this is, this is what it actually means to have control over my diabetes. I can actually like function and not feel all of the time got you okay and then it just kind of spiraled from that and did you point your crazy at the diabetes now uh not like i still have a lot i still have a lot to learn i still feel like there's things that i should know that i don't like but my a1c's like currently is 6.1 and it has been for the last like three years it's been like 6.1 to 6.5 so um, I feel like that's not just by chance or that's not just because I fudged the numbers, you know, like I've gone, yeah, you know, right. because I'm really high, I just started going really low or anything like that. To me, that's like, yeah, no, I think I'm, I'm getting a pretty good, Hang I, I think it. I kind of know what I'm doing by now. You know, it's only I taken so. like 25 years, but I feel <laughs> like, yeah, no, I, it's okay. Kate. like, cool. So I can actually start saying like, Hey, no, I do have control of my diabetes instead of that. What I was saying, you know, when I was a teenager being like, you know, I need to have control because I'm a control freak. I can actually be like, yeah, no, but I actually, I I do have control. It's funny. Let me show the facts. I think of diabetes control in a really strange way. Like, um, I don't think I think of it the way other people do. Like, I think it just, once you have it, it's this thing that happens. Yeah. It's, It's not a thing you do. If, no, if you know, it's it just you know what to, you, exactly. you know what to do in certain situations. You just mm-hmm. kind of do it. They these things start to happen without you putting too much effort into them, and all of a sudden you've got a six one for three years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I I feel the I absolutely like that's the even like even as a diabetic because I know that you're a non diabetic. I know that you're very um you're very like hands-on with your daughter's like type one diabetes. So it's almost, it's almost like you're diabetic. Um, but I feel the same way. I feel like diet diabetes or anything. I think anything that you have, any disease, any long-term illness that you have, you have it. Like it, it's just, it, it is what it is. Like there's no point once things just kind of start working for you, you just kind of roll with it and everything mm-hmm. to me just starts falling in place. You got to put a little bit of work into it at the beginning, but then it becomes second nature and it, it, it just is what it is. Yep. Like, yeah, no, it's, it's, I genuinely forget a lot to say, Oh, by the way, I have diabetes. Like if I'm talking to a new doctor, being a diabetic isn't the first thing that comes out of my mouth and it should be it's there's you know when you're you're speaking to a medical professional hey i'm a like i'm a type 1 diabetic and i have crohn's should be one of the first things that come out of my mouth but a lot of the time it's not something that comes out of my mouth because Uh it's just i don't know something that 
You've I got have. a lot to lead with. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> you you could you could lead in a lot of different. Oh directions. yeah, yeah. No, I know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, Kate, listen. Uh, keep thy shop, and they sh- and thy shop will keep thee. That's, that's a poor Richard's quote. Uh, okay. So I think Ben Franklin was saying, "Take care of your body, and your body will take yeah, care of you." Will keep you. Yeah. I think, it's, I think it's good advice. Oddly, hefty man is an older person for having that thought, but whatever. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's okay. Um, he uh, he was full of good ideas back then before people got a chance to have do you think he was smart or just the first one you know what i mean i think he was i think he was just the first one because some of this is really really common sense just like stuff you'd look at and go yeah obviously no yeah but that's a lot of the case i think people have become famous off of that like you talk to any kind of self-help guru and they're just all spouting common sense everything that they talk about is not new news it's just they might just be in a way that people understand to be honest Hear no yeah. ill of a friend, nor speak any of an enemy. That's interesting. So if I hear yeah. something bad about you and we're friends, I don't, I don't, I don't absorb that. And if I have somebody I don't like, I don't speak poorly of them. This is it. This man's a genius. He's been dead for hundreds yeah. of years. No one thinks of him. That's all I'm no saying. Your no life's not that it. important. Relax. No, it's not. It's- <laughs> Everyone's like so hopped up on trying to leave a legacy. I, I don't think they thoroughly really understand what leaving a legacy actually means. My point, Kate, if we don't remember Benjamin Franklin, really, yeah. you're going to be okay. That's all. Yeah. 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 No, we have a very odd uh, relationship now with um, with what we think of as the world knowing us um, because of like social media. And, and it mm-hmm. feels like everyone has this idea that – everyone's aware of what they think now because they post it somewhere or it's on some mm-hmm. social media place. I have to tell you, I reach a lot of people and I really don't reach many people at all in the grand scheme of how many people they are. Yeah. Uh, there are. So, you know, a person on their Facebook page or on their Instagram page, they're not really talking to as many people as they think they are. No. You know, um, so th- that's a... Uh, Something to keep in mind. You're, you're, you're not spreading your genius everywhere. It's, it's no. three of your friends, oh. and two of yeah. them are probably like, oh, my God, this guy Shot won't the stop. Yeah, already. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, how God. many people follow people on Facebook just because they're like, look how irritating Gene is. <laughs> like, you know, and everybody's like, I know. It's, it's hilarious. I know. It's, I, know. I just can't house, stop watching. Like, it's yeah, Gene's in his house. He's like, I'm, I'm leading a nation. I'm like, yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, Toodles. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there are a fair amount of people who listen to me because they like, think like that guy's so wrong i enjoy listening to it so, enjoy listening yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's no it whatever you're just you're not you're not doing what you think you're doing no. Uh, no i also believe that you know that line i talked about earlier about where you know polite societies rests and and where you might be like i think i'm on your side of that line i hope so yeah yeah i, I don't think i company i might not be as far like you might be pretty no yeah def- i don't think yeah, i could no, find I you on the first day after i crossed no. over the line but yeah no but i don't i think that's why these conversations exist on the podcast because as you start talking about things i, I don't brusque up against any of them like mm-hmm. i didn't i i did not feel judgmental towards you once in the last hour and a half and i think that if you would have tried to go tell this story to other people they would be like well let's not say that you know, we don't want kids to hear that you had sex yeah. or, you know, we don't want anybody to know that you did drugs or, yeah. you know, like it's just and I think that's it really is. I mean, if you if everyone's listening, when Kate needs to hear herself reflected in other people and when you don't let her hear that, it, it 
it, it's hard for her. And it's hard for you when you're not reflected in other people. You have to let people talk. Y- yeah. You know, um, I don't know. People who are online and look perfect, those those aren't. Those aren't probably real people. They're probably just it's showing not. you the one really great part of their life, you know? Yeah. So. And it's really toxic. Like, it's really, really toxic to think because then people start thinking that that's what they need to be. And then... It's hard to attain. Perfection. Yeah. It's, yeah, it yeah. really is. It's the, it's, the, it's the greatness as well as the downfall of social media is that everyone is so interconnected now that you can kind of find like-minded people like you where you couldn't before. But then you also find this weird, like, pedestal, like people on pedestals that it's really hard to obtain that kind of perfection. Well, I think that, um, I think sharing online is valuable if you just share yeah. reality. And yeah, then, exactly. And then, then people can sift through that on their own. And there are people who are trying to be famous and they want to look perfect. And mm-hmm. that stops, I think, their content from being valuable to be perfectly yeah. honest. And then all you're really yeah. attracting is, you know, young people who think the world might still be perfect one day. You, you don't have one adult. You know what I mean? Like not one adult is looking at you going, oh, I can get my butt that size. <laughs> yeah, you know, the adults are like, I got to pay for my stuff. Like I need food. <laughs> I need- <laughs> you know, I, I don't have time yeah. to, I mean, how many deep knee bends do I have to do before my ass gets yeah. that big? I, yeah. don't, I don't have yeah. the free time for I that. don't have time. I do not have time. <laughs> and, no. and by the way, if you'd all stop watching that person on Instagram, they wouldn't have time either. So, yeah. y- you know, like it, it, you get in that weird kind of. I don't know. Like, what are you doing and who are you doing it for? It's yeah. it's it's all just, I mean, look, I make this podcast because I think it helps people, mm-hmm. but it it's also a business. It, it makes money. You, you yeah. know, I mean, there are days when I get up and I think I'm going to have this conversation today because it's going to be really important and people are going to get a lot out of it. I, I think that almost every day, honestly, but there's a small percentage of me that's like, I need to make content to put an ad on. Right. You're all you're all just lucky. I'm a decent person because seriously, because if not, there'd be 12 ads on each one of these episodes. Yeah. And you all have heard something where you know what I'm talking about, where you're like six minutes into it. And the guy's like, glycine. You're like, glycine. What is this? Like, well, glycine is. And you're like, Jesus, are we ever going to get to Kate? And then (laughs) then Kate comes on and has got six seconds to talk because the ads are so much. I could do that. I could probably yeah. like do it tomorrow. Yeah. It doesn't Don't seem do valuable it. to me. No, it's because not. then I don't think you'd listen, and then no. it's all gone. So it's gone. Yeah, Poof. I want this to exist because I want someone to hear you and reach out and be like, "I heard Kate, and I want to be on the podcast because of that." Because you have no idea how many really interesting conversations you all have heard on this podcast that started with a private note to me that says, "Hey, I heard this girl." say she took heroin on your podcast and that made me feel like I could be on. But yeah. then that person talks and doesn't ever mention heroin. So yeah. you, you have no idea how how great it is to just be yourself and and be honest. And Kate, you've helped a lot of people today. You just don't even know it yet. So thank you thank very you. much. And you gave me yeah. a place to put my ad. So right on. I'm just teasing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Plus uh, Canadian women. There's something there. I haven't figured it completely out yet, but you're all different in a weird way. I gotta. I don't know how to. I haven't figured it all out yet, but I don't know. I think it's good. I feel like I feel like I feel the same way about Americans as a whole. Do you? Like, because you guys aren't. You're not different, but you're different. Yeah. And it's and I can't. It's weird. I don't. 
don't understand it because a lot of us sound the same, but we're not. And yeah, you abooted a couple of times today. I appreciated that. You were like a boot. Did I? Yeah, you just did. I say a boot or did I say about? Because so this is the thing. Stop it, Kate. You did not say about the (laughs) the east. The east coasters are the ones that say a boot. They're the ones. Not all of them. Newfies especially are the ones that kind of sound a little bit funny. For the most part. So okay, fair. You didn't say a boot. You said about, but you about. Cana- you Canadian the ooh in the middle. Ooh, I don't know how to put it exactly. I don't know how to. I know, but the the people saying it's a boot, it, they're taking it from the East Coast. Okay. You can get like hosers, like are which are also like they're, they're Canadians. It's more. It's not derogatory. I don't find it a derogatory I saw term. The movie. If anyone calls yeah. me a hoser, I'm like, yeah, I am. Um, but like, there's a a a very like Canadian accent whenever you start like, oh, you're a hoser. Fuck. <laughs> like, it's just a very, <laughs> like, yeah, no, you're a Canadian. I know what you are. Not just because you've just said a very Canadian term, but no, you actually have a Canadian accent. Um, so there is like a very specific Canadian accent that tends to be uh, mostly outside of cities, not along the U.S. border. Mm-hmm. I find that we start sounding a lot more American the closer to the borders we get. Makes sense. But the more north you get is where you start the the Canadian isms as well as the Canadian accent is right. really honed in on. I have um I have one more real question before I let you go. Okay. And I've kept you much longer than I said I was going to. I apologize. Um do you are there people in your life professionally or personally who don't know any of this about you? A lot of uh the majority of people know what I want them to know. So there's nobody in my life, Tyler included, that knows the entire story. Right. Yeah. So and it, a lot of the time it depends on where they've entered into my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but like even my mom and I'm, I'm close with my mom now. Like we're like we're very close, um, which is bananas to think about because of what we've gone through together, like me growing up and what have you. Um, But even she doesn't know all the ins and outs of it. She has the best understanding of it. Um, But even she doesn't know all the ins and outs of it. And it's because I I keep it close to me. Yeah. Um, But it's not something you sit down with to people at dinner and be like, yeah, so I tried to off myself back when I was 14. And man, what a trip. Like, it's not really... Because it's such a lot of what I've been through is very taboo that it's not normal conversation that you have, so right? Re- it's I. So the rest I'm of that, very open. I'm so sorry. The rest of that question to me is like, if like take a a, a coworker for instance, like not that mm-hmm. you would go to work and be like, hey, did you want to hear about the time I thought to kill myself when I was 14? Yeah. Like, not that you would say that, but I yeah. mean, are 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 there just like, is there a person in your life who would hear this and be like, wait? Kate, the girl I eat lunch with? Are you serious? Like, like, do you come off like totally normie to people in some aspects totally. of your life? Oh God, yeah, yeah. But a lot of it's because it's I'm I'm really good at reflecting what they want to see a lot of the time. So, okay. yeah. Oh God, yeah. I don't give a shit. Like that's not. It's I I I don't I don't care. But absolutely, that there would be people listening to this being like, I thought I knew that chick, and clearly I did not know that chick. Hmm. What the. F- there's part of me that thinks that one day this recording will be um, uh, used in a court case. <laughs> Which is cool. <laughs> That's 
like, I feel like there's a lot of things that could be used against me, and it is what it is. It's, I feel, Dear Scott, we need a copy I, of that recording you did we, with Kate. <laughs> um, like, uh, uh, I guess. It's yeah, she killed a fisherman so. with a seal. Uh, yeah. It was horrible. <laughs> I don't even want to explain how it happened, but it was terrible. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, listen. This yeah. was terrific. I, I, for anyone else listening, if you're as fucked up as Kate is, please yeah. come on the podcast. Yeah, please come on. <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm just teasing you. We need a group. Yeah. We need to show that there's more of us out there. Because there are. There are more of us out there, Scott. I, I also don't mean fucked up. I mean, like, who have been through things and are willing to talk about yeah. them. You know, yeah. For and fun, then it's I okay. That. Yeah. Like, it's okay to talk about it. And it's okay to go through a lot of fucked up shit. And at the end of the day... If you if you want to, you will come out the other side. And it's not to say that, like, if you don't want to, that you're weak or anything like that. But it's I feel like it's you can go through a lot of shit and you can still find a meaningful relationship by a house. I don't Scott, I don't even have my high school diploma and I'm I work as a professional. I've traveled the world. I've been through a lot of that should have seen me dead. And I for all you know, for all intents and purposes, I've kind of checked off a lot of check marks that people growing up think in order for you to make it as an adult, these are the things you need to do. I've I've accomplished that, but it's, I've just done it in an on about way. I have to say the least shocking thing you've said today is I don't have a high school diploma. I was like, I don't have a high school diploma. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I don't, I had to, I dropped out. Well, I got like halfway kicked out and then I dropped out. And last question. I said last question. Then I asked the question. Now second last question. Uh, Do you ever think about having kids? I, the conversation has come up. I have been pregnant um, and the conversation has come up. I am cognizant that I, I don't know how good of an idea that is Um, more so because of my, because of what's already been established with my mental health. I don't know if postpartum um, is a good idea for me. Mm Um, and I feel like it is more likely to happen, like to have some postpartum trauma and what have you. I I definitely think it is something that needs to be considered. Um, and I will probably my kid, like I, it's, it's, I'd like to think I would be a really cool mom, but you know, I'd say if they would be crying to me, I'd be like, I don't know what the crying about (laughs) and not like in that thing where we like where parents are like I don't know what's wrong like why like tell me what's wrong with you I'd be I would genuinely be like I don't understand what you're saying because I don't I don't understand so I think I could put a lot of trauma on my own kids um but I still think I could be a pretty cool mom because I've been through it all and yeah no, I, you know, I hear, and I'm easygoing. I, again, but. I think you you answered exactly how I expected you to. You have a lot of introspection, and um, and I didn't think you'd say much different. Maybe you just be cool, Aunt Kate, who knows where the coke is. Maybe that would be. Which enough. I already am. I'm oh, like see. I like that was the but the, the big thing. So for years, I've always been like anti kids, really f- cool aunt, and that's what I am. Like so, I've got like two nephews, and then I've got. Uh, like a few best friends that have babies and they're like all my nieces and nephews. So like, so I'm like on Kate to a lot of little kids nice. and I love it um, because they also get to go home to their parents and, you know, like come see me if you want to go get a tattoo. Like, fuck, Sounds totally like a bad joke, it. but it's a lot yeah. of seriousness. Um, 
No kidding. <laughs> there are times as parents, I'm just like, what am I? Why did I? What was I thinking? <laughs> what like, was I dear fucking God, thinking? everyone needs something. <laughs> and I'm never right about anything, which yeah. is fascinating. And um, I, I, you know, I find myself standing in my home sometimes going, you know, a lot of people seem to agree with things I say sometimes. It would be it's shocking that you all haven't agreed with me once ever. <laughs> just like I've never said anything sensible. Is that right? So. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. if I'm you, I don't do it, but whatever. Um, yeah. don't listen to me. Uh, yeah. thank you, Kate, very much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It's yeah. been a blast. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G-V-O-K-E-G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N dot com forward slash juice box. Thanks also to the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. Visit ContourNext.com forward slash juice box. And of course, you can get your tickets and learn more about Touched by Type 1 at TouchedByType1.org. Also, you can find them on Facebook and Instagram. It's a pretty long episode, so I'm going to get out of here. Just say thank you for listening. Let you know if you're enjoying the Juicebox podcast, please tell a friend. If you like this episode of After Dark, there are a lot more After Dark episodes. Head over to the Facebook page, Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes. Go to the Feature tab. There's a whole list of them there, or you can find them on juiceboxpodcast.com. If you're listening in a podcast app right now, just search Juicebox Podcast. Juicebox is one word. And after dark, again, those are two words. So juice box, one word, podcast, one word, after one word, dark, one word, juice box, podcast, after dark, they should all pop right up in front of you. I made it sound much more difficult than it is.